Buddy, are you there? It's Z-Dog and friend, special guest. Hey guys, welcome to the show. This is going live to all the people. It is I, Dr. Zubin Devanya, a.k.a. Z-Dog MD. You know, I stuck, I'm stuck with that, Seth. God. I did not mean that to be my name. It was a joke, and now I am Z-Dog MD. And real doctors look at me like, how is it that you are making a living not with your finger in anyone's butt, but yet you call yourself Z-Dog MD, and I'm like, you don't know me. Uh, this is Dr. Seth Thomas. Um, you may know him from such hits as Director of Quality Performance at Vituity, Emergency Physician, and passionate about emergency care, particularly for our mental health patients, psychiatric patients, because there is something that Dr. Seth believes is a gap in our care. I am coming to this with beginner's mind as a hospitalist who only experiences the suffering in the emergency department of our uh, patients with behavioral health issues, sitting in the hall, you know, uh, uh, getting treated in a medical environment for something that is maybe not so medical. So maybe you can fill me in. How did, what, why did you come to this? What's this gap? And what can we do about it? Yeah, it's a, it's a huge problem, see. I mean, it's, um, it's something that affects not only our emergency departments, the emergency department that I work in but every emergency department in the United States. And it's these are patients that are coming to our EDs for, because they're, they're in crisis. They're in psychiatric crisis. And unfortunately, most of them end up getting boarded for hours, if not days, waiting for placement for an inpatient bed. And uh, that's, that's really the issue we're talking about today is how can we help fix that problem? Where is the perceived gap in care? And what kinds of things can I help you know, really the U.S. and all practitioners out there um, help them fix this problem. So you went through some specialized training at Vituity to kind of understand the systems issues around this, because when we're in the front line on the trenches, all we see is, oh, my gosh, there's borders, like you said, uh, with psychiatric diagnoses waiting for placement, and we don't know what to do. Do you, do you think the, nu the number of cases in general has gone up? Like, was that the root of the problem? There? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. no, we, we definitely know for a fact that the number of visits to our emergency departments due to a behavioral health or mental health, whatever you want to call it, um, uh, complaint is going up. Um, mm. Not only is it going up, but the time spent in the emergency departments are going up as well. So we're seeing a large volume, much larger volumes than norm normal, and we're seeing a longer length of stay. So you, you had a story about something that happened to you that really kind of brought it home. Yeah. I mean, I'm an ED doc, right? I'm an ED doc by training. When I went into this, I wanted to take care of all patients in the emergency department. It wasn't any one particular type of patient. And you don't cherry pick charts like I, I don't, did? No, no, of course not. Who does that? <laughs> Anything that's, that involved a pelvic exam, I, yeah, wouldn't, no. I wouldn't do it. And I was like, oh. <laughs> it's, the, yeah, it's, the best, it's the best kind of sign out. Right? It really is, yeah. <laughs> no, so, so I think what happened was, you know, I went through Vituity. I did a fellowship. Woo! You're the director of the fellowship. I, I'm one of the two directors, Tiffany Hackett. Shout out to her. She's one of the other co-directors for our Vituity Administrative Fellowship. Um, in fact, Alicia and Dylan were, were one of our fellows. Or the other two guests we had on yeah. recently, and Denise uh, Brown is in the corner. Live arounds. Yeah, that's right. Uh, came on the show too to talk about uh, the empath units and things like that. So different approaches. So yeah. Please continue. So, so that so that prepared me to be a medical director, and they you know, and what I ended up doing was becoming a medical director in several different facilities within Vituity, and I noticed that there were some disparities or some differences in how we care for these patients. In fact, once I got up to Sacramento, which is a different county, because county by county, they take care of these patients differently. Mm. And when I got up there, I remember distinctly a case that really stuck in my mind. It was a 42-year-old female who came in for psychiatric concerns and an issue. She was on an involuntary hold. And she ended up staying in our department for five days. Ooh. Five days. Can you imagine being there for five days in our back hall? 
And um, it's really unfortunate because I never saw her when she came in. Our other ED providers did a great job of medically screening her, looking her over and everything, and said, yeah, you know, she needs to be in an inpatient unit. The problem, what occurred is when I came in, I took sign out, and they came to me and the nurses go, hey, you know, this patient in the back hall has been there for five days. She's now tachycardic. She's got some chest pain, shortness of breath. I said, well, it's got to be asthma. Now it's a medicine it's problem. Asthma. Totally. A medicine oh, problem. So what? she ended up having a big PE. And I thought, oh, you know, what? like, look, wh- oh my what are we what are we doing? What are we doing wrong here? We, we've, we are probably contributing to this problem um, just as much as, you know, really the resources are lacking in the community. So the wow. counties, inpatient facilities, everything, we're contributing to this problem. So that's when I really got motivated. And I said, we've got to do something different. Wow. So what... <laughs> And, and it seems like an intractable problem, though, right? Because you have all this demand, and the supply is limited, and our processes aren't good in the emergency department for managing patients with acute mental health crisis. So what, what, how do you go about this? Well, it's true. It, you know, we don't have enough resources. That's absolutely true. But I do think that we've got to look at ourselves and say, how are we contributing to this problem potentially as an ED doc? So I, when oh, I, oh boy, here we go. I, Administrator going to blame us. <laughs> no, seriously though, I'm actually with you on this because I think we're a big part of this problem in terms of perceptions, attitudes, and training. So what to go on? So I trained at Loma Linda. I got great emergency department, you know, in terms of, uh, I got great education in, through my residency. But one, one thing I didn't get was really how to care for or assess a behavioral health patient or a patient mm. in crisis, right? It was more or less just see the patient, make sure there's nothing medically going on and then wait for somebody else to bail us out. Mm. And what that really, I think, perpetuates is really this problem of, hey, it's a psychiatric patient coming to the ED. Let's just put them in this bucket. We're going to do the same thing and just stick them in a corner. As opposed to now what I'm seeing is, boy, we could be part of that gap in care. We're not providing the resuscitative care that we provide to other patients. Do I consult cardiology on every chest pain that comes into the ED? Do I consult GI for every GI bleed that comes? No. I mean, I know how to manage these patients on my own, but I don't know how to manage a behavioral health patient. And so I think that there is a gap in care. Part of it is ours. I can't become a psychiatrist. I don't want to become a psychiatrist, but I do want to learn parts of their trade that can help me resuscitate these patients in the ED. So the idea that as a jack of all trades, uh, the emergency department can actually do a better job managing the acute crisis without the need for, and, and the truth is, let's be honest, like psychiatric consultation in the, e, in the ED can be pretty brief, they're overtaxed, it, it's very, very hard. So how, explain boots on the ground, like how, what do you do? Well, there's a few things that you do. I mean, I think that we have to kind of come from it from a model of right now we overprocess these patients. We do too much to them probably. Uh. And, and it's not true. Not all patients. I mean, there are definitely going to be some that need inpatient treatment. No doubt about that. But there are others that don't. You know, we've got to think about what does this patient need at this one given time? Mm. So like with a chest pain patient, let me take it back to that for a second. Like I'll talk to the patient. How old are you? What are your risk factors? Let's get an EKG. Let's get some back. And then I will put them on a path mm. of care that's appropriate to what they have or what they're presenting with. Not everybody goes to the cath lab, mm-hmm. right? Uh, um, yeah, unless you're in uh, certain parts of the country where they go to the cath lab for GERD, but that's a whole different show. Yeah. Yeah, right. you're right. Right. So that's what we're trying to build is to build that education, that framework, that process to help us identify which patients truly need the full workup, the full Shazam, who needs inpatient hospitalization. And for those that don't, let's get them out the door more quickly. Let's get them the resources they need. And for those that we're not sure of, let's start treatment in the ED. Let's start picking antipsychotics that maybe are appropriate. Let's start treating their symptoms. There's a mind-blowing concept, right? Let's, let's not wait for a psychiatrist to tell me what to give them. I'm going to start giving them things that I know are going to work. 
wow, okay, so I can see the pushback on that from either psychiatrists or people who are more minimalist, like, oh, how, how, how is an emergency doc going to start olanzapine on someone, and what's going to happen? Do they understand how these drugs work? You know, what do you say? I mean, yeah, no, I say go for it. I mean, I haven't met a psychiatrist yet that said that we shouldn't be starting meds. Mm. I mean, almost every one of them say, God, you know, the, the, the boarding problem and the length of stay problems and, and, and how long these patients are staying in your department, they're getting worse. Mm. Why, why are we not doing anything? And so I have not met a psychiatrist yet that said, don't start a medication without me. Yeah, I bet you'll meet some in the comments. <laughs> that maybe, maybe. No, you know, but that, that maybe that don't deal with this problem acutely in, on the front line. So it might be an outpatient clinician, it might be somebody else who, because there are, there are psychiatrists who are concerned with even primary care physicians giving medications for any behavioral health stuff. And I think we're in a situation now where I think your point is very valid about not everybody needs every the, the full cheat inpatient and, and as the stigma of mental illness is changing people are more apt to come forward and need care and it may not be throwing the full you know in california 5150 at them right exactly yeah. exactly yeah. and and so and we're never going to replace a psychiatrist there's no doubt about that and these higher acuity patients the ones that really i'm not sure of um, there's no way i'm going to probably wait for a psychiatry to give us guidance on those but it doesn't mean that we can't start something you know and and again i think that's starting really just what we what they need to be treated with is maybe antipsychotics or restarted on their medications, um, maybe placed in a, in a particular location of the ED that's, that's really less noisy and chaotic and trying to allow them to heal. Um, mm. De-escalation, you know, really just understanding how to de-escalate somebody rather than grabbing that old B-52. Do you remember those? Oh, me, oh do I remember? You know? I have like a few spare and a belt that I keep just in case. Right? What is it? Haldol, Benadryl, Ativan? You got, it. you got it. You nailed it. Yeah. Hey, man. Yeah. I wrote a song about it. Did you? Called Ativan. <laughs> That's one third of the B fifty two. Ah. So 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 no no no. You you're, you're you're right. But how do you train people to do this? Like this is a scary thing for some people. It's not just sedation, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not something I came up with on my own for sure. I mean, there there are algorithms out there. There's there are people far smarter than me. Um, a lot of them are are psychiatrists or emergency psychiatrists that ha have come up with particular algorithms and recommendations. Mm. You know, hey, if a patient's presenting like this, this, or this, mm. maybe consider this. I mean, it's really easy to follow. I'm really good at following algorithms. Yeah. Uh, you just need to show it to me, right? And then, right. And, and then kind of encourage me to take ownership of the patient. Right. And then knowing when to deviate from the algorithm takes clinical experience and a special kind of actually doing it, which I don't, right. again, like since we're not, we're scared to do it or we're trained not to do it. Like you said, at, 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 in your training, it wasn't really something that was that was pushed. And for hospitalists, it's a similar thing. You know, it's not our, so much our responsibility because they're not getting admitted to us. But a lot of times our patients have these issues and the psychiatrists help a lot. But, you know, understanding them better would be important, especially since these drugs have so many medical effects, yep. you know, on diabetes control, uh, delirium, other things like that. Somebody in the comments said, hey, I'm tired of ER docs blowing off delirium. I don't, I don't know that I've seen that. Have you? Yeah. I mean, well, I think we sometimes miss it. There's miss no doubt it, yeah. about that. I don't think we blow it off. I mean, I think you're, you're I mean, and maybe that's a different case or a different scenario, but I haven't seen us really intentionally blow it off. That's a serious, uh, that's definitely a serious condition we don't want to miss. Right. And that's something that we should be screening for, for every patient that comes into the emergency department. So, so what are you guys at Vituity? Because you guys actually staff emergency departments do mm -hmm. like that. What are you specifically doing to make this problem better? Because it seems to be a focus a little bit, a, few, a lot of your efforts, which is again, a little unique. A lot of not, not a lot of people are doing this. What are you guys doing? So we have some uh, performance improvement programs that we're running our departments through right now. And so we'll take anywhere from five to 10 
emergency departments and we'll actually analyze their opportunities and kind of say, hey, how could you take care of these patients better? What are your gaps in care? And let's deploy some tools to help you fix that, provide training to your physicians, your, your techs, your nurses, and then let's watch the metrics over time and see if things get better. And almost universally, what we're seeing is that departments are providing better care, the staff feel safer, yeah. less restraint utilization, decreased length of stay. I mean, it's really, really encouraging. So this is what you're measuring. Yes. So, okay, this is where, you know, and I've railed against the measurement industrial complex quite a bit in terms of, are we measuring the wrong things? Mm -hmm. Are we trying to focus on gaming metrics? But these metrics actually seem to matter if you're using less restraints, yeah. both chemical and physical. Right. So less coercion, yeah, uh -huh. less, less intramuscular, less B52s. Uh -huh. We really want to calm. We don't really want to over sedate. And that's been calm, the not bomb. Exactly. Mm, mm. I just made that up. <laughs> You're welcome, world. Uh, okay, so, but, and you're seeing this as an outcome. So, and this is a result of your training. And how do you do the training? You get these emergency staff in a place and you tell them, okay, this is how you do this? Yeah, we'll come actually to the site and we'll actually deploy the training in person. So for de-escalation, I think there's nothing better than to act it out. To yeah. understand how do you verbally de-escalate and kind of calm somebody down without having to just restrain them, grab them and- Shut up, man, shut exactly. up, Whoa. shut up. Okay. I Don't talk to me that way, man. Man. See, he's good. I'm trying to get him to de-escalate me, but he's like, I know. Do you know why? Eyes. Because 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 I'm scary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bald man. Many people have compared me to Mr. Clean, but sexier. And uh, you know, you should just know that I'm intimidating uh, at, <laughs> at five foot five. So, uh, so 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 teaching them these techniques. Do you think? Are you actually measuring decreased uh, episodes of, say, injury violence, or is the number overall too small? Or how, yeah, how we, ha we, we haven't gotten there yet. I don't, I don't yeah. know that we have those data. So yeah. um, I think what we're using for surrogates are like restraints, things like that, um, code grays, code whatever you call yeah. those codes. Right, right. If we can see a decrease in that, then I think we're doing the right thing. So this goes into also we're seeing increased violence against frontline healthcare people, especially in the ER, the pre-hospital space, et cetera. And some of this is the mental health sort of crisis. I, we're using the word crisis so often yeah. now. There's yeah. a crisis word crisis. Like we have an opioid crisis, we have a mental health crisis, we have a behavioral crisis. I mean, there's a million. I think it's just we're not doing a great job right. in general. Right. So it's a bad, it's us doing a bad job crisis. Right. Is, is really I think it, yeah, crisis is in crisis now. Yeah, the, that's The right. actual crisis is having a crisis. I hear you. Um, <laughs> so the answers are actually, it's going to take leadership, training, and a culture shift. That's right. It sounds like. That's right. It's, you know, and, and you've got to, it's a, it's a, it's a shift in, mm. your, in sort of how you approach things. And, you know, I think a lot of us tend to think that, hey, that patient's escalating. Let's just throw them in restraints and give them a, give them an intramuscular injection. But you think about it, like, is that really safer? Probably mm. not. I mean, most of the injuries that occur, occur during that takedown, right? Oh, yeah. that, the restraint episode, things like like that but if we can offer them something and say hey look let's just de-escalate you let everybody step back take a little time talk to them what are your needs what's missing here and would you take an oral medication everybody's better for it right and it's a much safer environment now is that just naive or does can it happen no it definitely happens mm, yeah mm, it definitely mm, happens mm, mm, mm. Yeah. yeah 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 and then there will always be the space for the takedown thankfully because that's a fun <laughs> it's so much fun I, I i'll never forget as a medical student in psych emergency services san francisco general oh yeah getting involved in takedowns oh. it's amazing because everybody just like it's like a little bat signal goes off everybody starts gloving up very calmly they're just like mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it's just like macho man randy savage like <laughs> off the top rope so I don't want that to go away, but I also don't want it to happen to little old ladies. Like there's, a, there's a balance. Um, any other thoughts on this that you want to share with these guys? Well, I think this actually also relates to physician wellness, don't you think? I uh, mean, 
if, if we're struggling with a problem in the emergency department or hospital, anywhere, actually, mm. anywhere in the hospital, we're struggling. It's probably we're struggling because we don't have the tools necessary to do our job mm. or to care for these patients. And I know for me, it was a frustration for a long, long time. I don't know how to treat these patients. Mm. I was never given those tools. But I think if you give people the tools to do the right thing and care for patients, it's going to make me feel much more fulfilled at my job. I'm going to look forward to going in as opposed to, oh, my God, I don't want to see this patient. So it's a huge key. Tools, resources, autonomy. Those are the things we need in order to feel good and competent at our jobs. So if the tools are you get training to manage some of this stuff better in the emergency department, you don't go in with that panic, that fear, or that resignation that you can't help. So I'm, I'm a big fan of what you're doing. I think it's fantastic. Thanks. Uh, I want to promote it any way I can. You guys, if you share this video, if you want to explore more, are there links to where we can learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, so we call it EPI, Emergency Psychiatric Intervention at Vituity. So there are links, and we can definitely do that. There are people around the country doing this stuff, and we'd be more than happy to help or talk to you if you have interest. That's really exciting. So there are going to share their ideas and stuff. And what about your a little administrative uh, training program? Because the last two uh, folks we had on the show are in that program and they were pretty hot shot. Are they good or what? Uh, they were pretty awesome. Yeah, I can't so, take credit for them. But, wow. Yeah. <laughs> As an administrator, you're supposed to take credit for when things go right and blame the staff when things go right, wrong. Right, of course. Right? Yes. That's called leadership. Right. Learn about it. <laughs> Is that what you teach in the... That's what we teach. Yeah. What we teach. Exactly. <laughs> I'm you got it. it. Yeah. What, what, what do you, how do you train people in those skills? So, we, well, we, it's leadership skills. It's yeah. leadership skills is what it is. It's kind, of, it's, it's, it's kind of like an MBA for Vituity. So if, you know, if you're somebody that wants to be a Vituitan and, and have a career with us, and I say Vituitan, that's a thing. is that that's a thing? It's actually yeah. a word. Yeah. Uh, then, then that's really an opportunity to kind of get into higher level leadership. We teach you how to deal with, with problems and solve issues and operations and culture and everything like that. It's a one-year program. We've been doing it for 16 years. Wow. 16 years now. So it's a way, it's, so you don't have to sit with all those other ding-dong MBA students who are like, I'm going to be an investment banker. I have a startup. Can you develop my app? Instead, it's like other clinicians who are like, yeah, no, we want to help be clinician leaders, which I've exactly. talked about the importance of. So that's wonderful. That's man. It. Guys, I am so stoked to have Seth Thomas on the show. We'll put in links in the thing. Um, for people who want to uh, share this video, you can share it now. And then we're going to take some comments now. What do you think? Yeah, you in? I'm you ready. Game? All right. Let's, let's what do, do we it. got? Dr. Denise. Oh, tell me that. Tell me oh, them comments. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> hey, we got a lot of really good ones. You know, you've got some really good supporters in here. They and, are awesome. You know, and and I think one of the things that I keep seeing sort of repeatedly is that everyone is feeling really frustrated about where the right place to take care of these people are. Mm -hmm. And everyone is feeling frustrated because they end up in the ICU, it looks like. They end up in the back hall, it looks like. Uh, I see two people died in, in DTs on, on a surgical floor in four-point leathers. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a recurring theme. And so... In my mind, I'm feeling like emergency psychiatric intervention isn't just for the emergency department. I'm thinking this is tools and techniques that anyone who works in healthcare probably needs. I think the concept of de-escalation is something that we could all really benefit from. So that, that seems to be the, the running theme of our comments today. That, that is yeah. really helpful because, again, a lot of our... ZPAC are frontline nurses, frontline doctors, people who are struggling in a system where they feel powerless because these problems seem intractable. And the thing is, not, no problem is intractable, right? right. It, you just need to approach it and have a team-based attitude about it and actually understand that just throwing money at it's not going to help. Not throwing enough money at it is not going to help. You know, like a lot of nurses will say, well, the problem with violence is they're not staffing safely. Right. They're, you know, there's too many patients, not enough of them. Um, and then we have another Leslie comment. Austin. Leslie Austin says, uh, who is a supporter, plus one. 
Ooh. That means super secret special. Okay, okay. By, by the way, we now have a supporter tribe on YouTube, too. If you guys want to see us go deep on YouTube, it's in 4K, which is disturbing because wrinkles. Yeah. The idea of him in 4K is frightening. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Not just the idea, the practical reality of it is even more frightening. So Leslie Austin says, the last, e- by the way, you know, you know you're among doctor colleagues and friends when we can take a crap e- on each other on live totally. and love it every minute of it. God, I love art people. Um, Leslie Austin says, the last ED I worked in, they taught the nursing staff how to physically restrain people as if. I have heard from a few people now who've said, oh, you know, they're training us in self-defense and yeah, other things. Right. Like that. And it's like, what, what have we come to? Yeah. You know, that we're teaching people, okay, so the way you choke someone out, bro, is you, you come at them like this. And it's like, uh, I oh, look at that. Someone's about to crash through right. a wall. <laughs> I thought we went into this game to help people. This seems a little bit much. Do yeah. You, do you? How do you feel about that? Well, no. I th- I think the missing gap here has been de-escalation, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think some of these things are important. I mean, if you get in a potentially assaultive situation, you want to be able to protect yourself, and right. I think keeping staff safe is is important, absolutely huge. But I think we also need to say, God, even the most agitated patient, the most dangerous patient, potentially. We ought to consider giving them an opportunity to calm down without putting us all in harm's way or risk's way, right? And that, and that requires training. It requires competence. Absolutely. And then it also requires recognizing when that's not going to work. Exactly. So there yeah. are those cases where you're just like, okay, because I, I know people are going to yes. say in the comments, oh, come on, dude. Yep. There's, oh, yeah, and that, we know totally this. Totally true. true. There was a story that I talked about where a nurse got in trouble for talking about she had punched a patient, uh, punched a patient square in yeah. the nuts because the patient had punched her. Uh, and I think she was with a, co- a male nurse colleague who didn't help. Guy had assaulted her. She re- she acted defensively and got in big trouble. Mm. Was worried about legal stuff and all of that. And it became an interesting discussion from an ethics standpoint. Yeah, you know, we're here to help patients. Are we hitting patients? But then again, you have to defend yourself. Right. Why are we in that situation in the first place? If something's not right. Um, so we need better training. And I think what Denise said about having it across the board throughout the hospital system, not just in the emergency department, is important. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I think these techniques actually could be used anywhere. So Denise right. is absolutely on. And we've talked to some hospitalists that say, God, you know, I want to know how to start some of these meds, too. I want to know how to address yeah. an agitated patient. Um, I want to know what you know about taking care of patients in the emergency department. So this is really cutting edge stuff. But I think it can be applied anywhere. Honestly, yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Now, and the other thing is we don't want to be reductionists about medications and psychiatry. I mm-hmm. think ultimately we're saying we're stabilizing patients right. so that they can go and get needed care that may not involve high-dose psycho, you know, psychoactive medications. It may be that they just need to really get a good therapist. But at the time that they're in crisis in the emergency department, these medications can help them get through that crisis to the point where, okay, they're now they're stable to actually do other things. So it doesn't, doesn't mean that we're talking about medicating people permanently. And this is something that's been a bit of a point of mine. I had Leslie Carr mm-hmm. on the show. She's a psychotherapist. And I, you know, she, her whole thing is, well, I don't think primary care docs should be starting medications at all because they're covering up, um, the underlying uh, root cause of these things, which which require work. Now, the thing is, this is a different right. situation. Right. We're talking about people in behavioral health care. We're not talking about you know somebody in, with the, the, the normal maladies of, of of life that are going to the primary care doc and getting started on SSRI. Yeah. So, yeah. In, 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 a psychiatric emergency is an emergency. It is an we, emergency. We have to we have to treat it that way. We have to treat it just like any other patient that comes in. And we don't you know I don't know everything about about the chest pain patient or the neurology patient or whatever, but I know enough. Yeah. To get things started and to yeah. start that resuscitation, and so I've got to do the same thing. For for a psychiatric patient. I've got to learn at least some of the basics. That's awesome. Dude, this was super awesome and helpful. I learned a lot. Thanks. Yeah, I'm 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 uh excited that 
you guys are working on this. I think others can learn from this. It's really, really important that everybody who takes care of patients kind of has some understanding of how we're going to manage these mental health crises because they're so rampant now. And I think uh, apart from addressing the root causes in society, which we have to do as a society, it all falls on our shoulders, right? Somehow, totally. right? And then we wonder why it costs $3.5 trillion. It's because they, they're asking us to, they're, they're, they're medicalizing our social problems in this country, right? So that's a whole nother discussion. But for now, for the medical part of it, Seth Thomas is the man. Thanks to Vituity for bringing him, making happen. This is the end of our little Vituity series that's really been awesome. I mean, Alicia, I mean, we, we, we learned a lot. I think we had a good time, and that's what it's all about, you guys. And I want to shout out Dylan, too, because that fool, okay, kept it real. I see you, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, oh, by the way. Because of Dylan's medication-observed therapy, buprenorphine episode, talking about opioids, I got a lot of messages great. from people who are like, we're going to try something like this in our emergency department. We're going to see if we can help. Because again, it gets to the root. I think the theme of all this, and again, I'm getting long-winded, but this is important. Okay, to wrap up this Vituity series, what Alicia said, what Dylan said, and what Seth said all relates to this. We need tools to be empowered. Yep to feel like we can competently manage things that previously we have not felt able to manage. In the case of Dylan, he's talking about opioid uh, dependency uh, and addiction in the emergency department and beyond. In your case, we're talking about behavioral health crises and mental health management. And in the case of Alicia, we're talking about our own processing of very difficult stuff we see as healthcare uh, uh, professionals and being able to process that in groups of our peers, which is so important, but through storytelling. So it's been wonderful, guys. Hit share, uh, hit up the links that we'll put in the website post when we post it up, and we out. Peace. Later.